Hello everyone and welcome to Season 2, Episode 15 of The Icefear. This is our final episode of 2023 um, and looking back on all the episodes that we've made this year made me go, Jesus Christ, there's a lot of <laughs> stupid shit that's happened this year. Um, Joy, we are, start we are ending this year as we started. Would you like to introduce our first topic? Um, for everyone to suffer I, through. I, I came prepared, so it has been zero days since our last book publishing bullshit incident. Um, <laughs> we started this year with an author who faked her own suicide and came back from the dead to restart her career, and we are ending it with an author who ended their career before it even started. So that's that's where we're at. That's And it, this may actually be more mind-boggling to me than the author that faked her own suicide because that was i'm not going to say indie publishing and self-publishing has more drama i'm just saying that for mainstream traditional publishing this story is wild this is actually yeah, was... like someone who has everything <laughs> and they've destroyed it yeah i was um, going to say that is a, a hard act to follow if this is going to be more mental than the stuff that we started the year with Resurrecting <laughs> from the dead. Um, yes. Yeah. And also, just Thunderwolf in the chat going, shit, that was this year? Yes, that was this year. <laughs> I have aged it 40 years this year. <laughs> I, yeah. Every time something new happens with book publishing, I'm like, oh yeah, remember when that author, you know, faked her own death? And then I'm like, yeah, that was, that was January of 2023. And we're ending 2023 with this with Kate um I'm I just realized I was about to mispronounce her last name. Um Corin? Kate Corin, yes. Yeah. I was gonna say Corinne there, but I think it's Kate Corin who for those who don't know the drama with this, Kate Corin was a author with um Delray Publishing who was slated to come out in May of twenty twenty four. She had a huge book deal. She was going to be in like exclusive box print sets and everything. And she destroyed her career by basically creating a bunch of fake Goodreads accounts and then one star bombing other debut authors coming out the same year as her, specifically authors of colour, um, and one star bombing them to damage their review ratings, which if you are unaware, your review ratings on Goodreads and other places affect your Amazon rankings because if people see the one stars, they're less likely to click on it. You are less likely to become trending. And it's basically a way of destroying someone's career before it's even started. I had an author try to do that to me when Hunger Pangs was coming out. And thankfully, you were all very supportive and you came in and you made sure it didn't happen. But it can be career ending to get one star bombed and... Kate basically she created multiple Goodreads accounts and she went through all these people's you know their Goodreads listings and left really bitchy catty like reviews about how I can't believe Delray would public yeah half uh, a million uh, on this book and getting so like weirdly specific as well I think that was the thing that stuck out to me yeah. was that the reviews were like weirdly like, in the know about how much the publishing house had, like, spent on publishing these Yeah, and it's not books. information, unless you know how to look that stuff up, 
and or unless you have access to it, you're not going to know that Del Rey paid half a million for another person's book. Yeah. How, you know, the call was coming from inside the house, as Emily Coldman <laughs> said in the chat there. Um, and they're also touching on the fandom element, which we will get into as well. Um, yeah. I think the, it, the, the thing, maybe you can shine a light on this, Joy, but like negative star reviews, are, are Goodreads and Amazon reviews synced at all, or is it just that people see them both? Amazon of, owns Goodreads. Right, okay, but does that... Amazon owns Goodreads and they sync. It, it, it they do, okay, they do sync. It's not, your Goodreads review won't show on Amazon, but right. the way people use Goodreads, they are less likely to click on an Amazon thing that has a low Goodreads ranking. That's, it's just the way people work. Like, everyone says, oh, right. what does it matter? It's only Goodreads. It's owned by Amazon. It can affect your rankings. It can affect your sales. And it's also just fucking mean. Like... Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's like the... Um, letterbox, isn't it? So anyone can kind of write a review. Is so letterbox is obviously one for film. Where, yeah, I've seen quite a few letterbox stuff that like film Twitter is a completely different beast, and I'm not going to touch yeah. that with a barge pole uh, in this one. But uh, yeah, it looks like so anyone can write a review, and obviously for a lot, to be honest, this probably sounds very similar to publishing like an indie game on Steam. Like, those early reviews are absolutely vital because it impacts discovery. Um, how does it work from a... She was reviewing books that are coming out next year. How How's that? Has she been able to read so, them? Or Some people will get sent ARCs months in advance, sometimes even a year in advance. I've got a book that's not coming... I don't know if it's in here with me. I have a book that's not coming out for another six months that's in here that was sent to me. Um... And you, I'm encouraged to leave reviews on that based on the ARC, which is Advanced Review Copy, which is often how publishers try to get, they start generating interest. Because there are people that make kind of like online careers out of being reviewers. Like that, a huge part of book talk and like um, Instabook is people just reviewing stuff. Yeah. And people's careers can live and die by that sort of thing. Like I'm in a very unique position in that Tumblr <laughs> is my main audience. Um, and Tumblr is feral, but you know, if you're not big on a lot of these platforms, if you're like a more typical romanticy author or a sci-fi author or whatever, um, if you're not big in those spheres, you can really struggle to get reviews. And reviews, again, can make or break your career. Um, it's once you get over, I think it's over 50 reviews on Amazon, you become part of the algorithm and you start trending. And even there's big name publishers who struggle to get to get that initial. Yeah. Which is why they send out the, the advanced review copies because they're trying to generate interest from like, you know, people that are like, oh well, Joy Demore really, you know, she's famous in her little circle for like vampire romances. We should send her a vampire romance to review. Um, right. Okay. So how like how common are advanced review copies then? Like oh, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I, do do people take like a shotgun approach to it and they go right? I'm sending out, you know thousands of advanced review copies just to try and get some sort of like traction or is it like what what i'm saying is obviously to review a book in advance like how did these how did these authors kind of that were getting these one star reviews did they have any idea that this person hadn't read the book or had read the book they would have had no idea that this person hadn't read the book. They wouldn't have known. The person right. could have signed up to a place like NetGalley 
and got a, an, an arc that way because you don't know who's being sent your book. Um, I'm in a unique position where most people who send me stuff know me because we're either mutuals or we're a mutual of a mutual. But most of the time you're getting things from places like NetGalley where it's just at the discretion of the publisher to see who gets what. Um, and it can also be completely random. It can be, oh, 100 people applied for this, we're going to send out 100 of them. Um, so it's very... Um, okay, no one's allowed to follow me again because we're getting fucking sounds <laughs> which I've turned off. They're off. They don't exist. I was wondering what that was for a second. I was like, I, oh. I, I, uh, it's happening again. It's, honestly. Sorry. But, um, <laughs> yeah, arcs, arcs are common and you generally don't have control over who gets what unless you are like an indie author or you're, you know, a trad author who has friends you, that you want to send things to. Like my friend Alex Rowland will occasionally send me stuff to review in advance. Um, um, who whose books you should also read, by the way, completely non-related, but they have another book coming out that they announced yesterday. But um, it's... It, th there would have been no way for these authors to know, oh, this is coming from a genuine reviewer. Right. For all they okay. knew, it could have been, you know, like... It could have it could have been a genuine, like, people criticising it. But the fact that they were including, like, oh, the price of how much the advances were... There's no way anyone would have known that unless the call was coming from inside the house, which makes you start to wonder, is the editor against you? Is your agent against you? Mm. Is this, you know, what is happening? Is someone in this publishing house not happy with you? <laughs> um, and I, that would be terrifying for me to think that somebody on your editing team is against you. Um, yeah. Because they, they, they are your backup they get I mean, I, someone who's worked in i mean i worked in traditional publishing for a medium-sized house you are these you know the authors you are their backup you're their cheer team you are their support you get them through the act of publishing because it's stressful and the idea that people that are editing and working on your baby who don't agree with the fact that you got paid as much as you did for it that would be harrowing for me to, mm. to think that like it's one thing for an honest reviewer to say didn't care for it it's another thing for someone who you've worked with it on to go this is not worth the paper it's printed on yeah. um especially when they're supposed to be like on side yeah it's like your team yeah uh, yeah yeah i mean people have been fired for doing stuff like that like i worked with when i worked for my publisher um we had an editor who really didn't like one of our authors and they did something similar to kate they were leaving negative reviews when really you shouldn't do that for stuff you've worked on. You should not be engaging mm. from a reviewer site like that. It was considered a, um, a gross breach of contract with her actually. And she got let go from the publishing house because she was seen to be damaging the company. Yeah. So this is the integrity of the company. It's like violating yeah. an NDA or anything like that. And especially yeah. when you're yeah. working against because, I mean, essentially, that's also working against the goals of the publisher, who, we live in a society where that will cost that publisher money if that's negatively reviewed, etc, etc. It's a conflict of interest, um, as the chat is saying. It's a definite conflict of interest. Like, I, there's people who I, even now, when I've done freelance, if I edit for them, I don't leave reviews. Um, yeah. I will talk about it enthusiastically, but Part of me is like, I'm not going to go in good, Goodreads and review this because they'll look inside the name and they'll see my name as an editor. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's bees is in the plainest form of it is just basic transparency. It's why yeah. you know whenever I play a game and the key's been sent to me, I tell people. If I leave a review on Steam about it, I have to mark it saying that I received the product for free. Um, you know, it's like these these kind of things. Like, obviously, it's, it's different. I, I wouldn't go and review Spiritfall. Because, yeah. like, that's something that I've actually worked on. Um, from a content creator perspective, I then go and, like, I wouldn't, like, if I received a key for free, I wouldn't be claiming that I didn't in order to be positive or negative about it. Um, I mean, you have to declare that, like, a, a lot of, like, content creation, we've talked about this numerous times, you have yeah. to declare when something is an ad or when something's yeah. a gift. And you have to do it with, in lot, like, with the IRS and also the, the HMRC in the UK. You have to declare it. Yeah. But a lot of people don't. And it, it makes me kind of really wary when people are, like, and I, there's things when I've talked about books occasionally on Tumblr and it's been unprompted. Um, people yeah. assume you're being paid for your, your review. That's not how it works. I um, so I I <laughs> like last week or the week before, uh, there was a BBC news story talking about how there's going to be like ambulances specifically to respond to mental health crises, um, mm-hmm. if any sort of mental health emergencies that people are having, and I I just put the iron brew truck underneath it, right, and I got. I got, like, anonymous messages on Tumblr, like, being like, oh, why haven't you marked this as an ad? Like, they thought I was sponsored by Iron Brew, and it's like, look, I would kill to be sponsored by Iron Brew. I would do anything to be, like, I would, I'd become the biggest shill going to be sponsored by Iron Brew. It's not happened yet, um, but, yeah, it was just, like, this assumption that if you're a relatively big account, you can't yeah. really speak positively about anything without it being, yeah. like... I mean, oh, this is... people ask me for recommendations for disability aids, and mm. like, but I, I have my silver ring splints that I wear because I have Ehlers Danlos syndrome. And whenever I talk about the company I get my stuff from, people are like, "Oh, how much are they paying you to talk about that?" And I'm like, "I'm not." And like, they seem to think I'm getting. It a works cut for me. <laughs> it works for me, and also I'm telling you how to get it on your insurance. Like that's I'm not like, like I'm telling you how to get it for almost free. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a weird place to be in where I can't even, like, someone will ask me, oh, what pillow do you use for your neck? And I'll talk about it. And I've been very blatant in the past. I've been like, hey, just so you know, like, I don't use affiliate links for things unless I am selling you my books because then the affiliate money goes, it's coming from something I've made and it goes to me. And it's a way of forcing Jeff Bezos and whoever else I'm, I've got the affiliate link for to pay me back some of the money I lose in their hosting fee. Um, so that's why I use affiliate links for my books. I don't, when I post things, I always tell people I don't use affiliate links for like products because I'm not really interested in selling you something I didn't make. Um, that's just the way I work. Zero shame to anyone else who does use it. Like make Jeff Bezos pay you, good for you. But I, that's the way I work. But whenever I don't have that explicitly typed out as a huge paragraph, I get people being like, oh, you're an Amazon shill. I mean, I get that anyway because I publish on Amazon, but it's a very much like people just assume that every, everyone's driven by money. And yeah. it, that also gets into what we're going to be talking about later. It's that, you know, the kind of, you can't trust anyone because everything's driven by financial motivation. Whereas some of us are just reviewing books because we like them. We're yeah. telling you about products that work because they work well, you know, and it's, 
it's a really weird thing to be like the again with the arcs people think you're paid for your arc reviews if someone paid me to be like oh you should like and as an example i'm emma if you're here i'm not paid to talk about emma's book one night in hartswood i'm not paid and i give i you know i gave an honest review of it i love it but you know if someone was paying me for it i it would be a very different review i would have I mean, to say like, you know like i would be criticizing yeah. it you know yeah also like ethically i mean this is this was an issue a week or a couple of weeks back where there was a big conversation about um people who play games and stream games and make youtube videos about games and mm -hmm. journalists and it's like now journalists aren't paid for reviewing and they, they kind of assumed that anyone who plays games on youtube or twitch or whatever they are also reviewing but they're they're not like I, I I would never accept money to give something a positive review. That's like for me, that's ethically not not that spot. But like if I if I got paid to play the game for two hours and give my honest feedback to a community, that's another thing entirely. I'm not gonna like drum it up just for the fun of it. Um that being said, I've I've only ever been paid like twice to actually play a game. Mm -hmm. um that most of the time it's just uh here's the key but like <laughs> i feel like i had to explain on tumblr to people it's like when i put ad before a stream people thought that i was getting like paid by Made the studios part, yeah. for <laughs> to play the game every single stream i was like i would again that'd be great but no it's uh just the uk's guidelines if it's gifted you have to yeah. put ad in front of it as well mm -hmm. And that's a, like that's a very it's a good way of keeping people honest, yeah. Um, which is what makes this the good you know the review bobbing gate thing, yeah. So insidious because so it, yeah, authors thrive. I mean, I I can say this a million times. Authors thrive and die by reviews, and the fact that you have a fellow author making but multiple accounts to tear you down. Yeah. My 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 biggest thing with this, so she 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 was kind of caught out and it was supposed to be kind of dealt with semi privately, but it kind of boiled to the point where they had to go public with the name. Um the and, involved wanted it handled quietly. Yeah. And that didn't happen. And but, the yeah. But, so so she wrote her book. Her book is ready to go for next year. She's got that publishing deal already. Uh, like, I've got a photo of her here posing with the book in her hand. She had a publishing deal. The publishing deal's now gone because Delray dropped her. Yeah, so, like, I, I suppose... Yeah. I, I'm, trying to get, I'm trying to get to the bottom of this. She had the publishing deal. This wasn't a put down other people to knock them out the running so she she could secure a publishing deal she had a publishing deal she had what most people would commit arson for she had what? the dream she was being published by a big she was being published by del rey a big publisher she had the deal she had her money she was basically going to be probably on numerous bestseller lists because she was she was being included in like Illumicrate and some other yeah. things as well. She was slated to be a big but, deal. So, so 
So what's, like, again, what's the motivation? I, like, sometimes I feel like this whole conversation, to be honest, a bit of what we'll speak about later with regards to the James Summerton thing as well, but, like, this... Is this deeper than I'm... Like, I, I just see this as the most, like, the dumbest, shallowest thing that you could possibly do. You yeah. have everything. Yeah. It is all lined up for you. Why... Why would you nuke your career like that? And it's like, what what did she gain? I'm I'm yet to find out what she what she gains from this. I cannot as an author, I cannot imagine taking the type of deal that she had and destroying it. And for you know, the chat is quite like pointing this out. <laughs> the chat's going past me very fast right now. Uh Ciaran, I'm gonna I'm so sorry, I'm gonna butcher this name because I'm my stutter's not good with these sounds. Uh, Ziran Zhejiao, the author of The Iron Widow, um, they brought the, they dropped the receipts for this. And yeah. rightfully so after Kate refused to, to back down and to make apologies and everything else. And the driving force really seems to be racism. It seems to be white fragility. And I say, you know, as someone who was whiter, whiter than male, um, I am inclined <laughs> to agree with this because all of the authors targeted are well, 99% are people of colour. So, and I, I, it, I, I, yeah. I, I, again, it's really, really hard to put yourself in the shoes of a racist when you're not one. Um, but, like, again, the majority of people, if, I mean, it's, it's always the thing about never really compare yourself with other creators because your general audiences. You know, it's like serving them two cakes. They'll be delighted that they have two cakes to eat, right? Again, what does what does Kate gain? I am I, I, is it, it industry clout? Like, was 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 is it even gained her industry clout because she was already on the fast track to being her own bestseller? But, I wouldn't have been surprised if she was a New York Times bestseller with the numbers that she was slated to bring in and the amount of effort Delray was putting behind her. I can only attribute this to insecurity and resentment that other authors, authors of colour specifically, were also being given what Kate viewed as better chances than her. Better and chances? She's got a publishing deal. Mm-hmm. And, and I suppose this is a good... As as someone who came from writing Raylo fan fiction, like I imagine quite a lot of writers who you know write fan fiction and then have aspirations to you know become a you know fully fledged published author of their own IP and all the rest of it, like she'd made it, like you know built-in audience that that that's the thing a lot of publishers now there used to be a lot of stigma if you were coming from fandom into publishing they would tell you oh you have to cut ties with your fandom roots you can't do this because it looks bad now they're going oh you have a built-in audience we want that we want access mm. to people who already enjoy your work and the thing is she had the Raylo fandom and for anyone that's not aware I wish I was you. Um, Raylo is from the Star Wars fandom. It is, I, no, no, I, no, 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 no. You, you don't uh, wish for I, I, I have spent this afternoon reading up on Raylo. I am now in a Raylo aficionado. Um, yeah. 
and I have never been more depressed. Uh, <laughs> as, Tundra um, is, as our mod Tundra is pointing out in the chat, we are not going to be mean about them. Ship whatever you want. I don't care. It's, I, it's not a factor for me, but I'm not going to be mean about it. I, I just, yeah. The fandom itself is... I, yeah, like it's it's one of um, the more toxic sides of fandom. Not everyone who ships it is toxic, but a lot of fights come out of that specific I, fandom. I had a mild brush with that fandom, I suppose, a, a year or two ago when I think I casually said something about um, how, you know, the whole rise of Skywalker and like the the relationship between Rey and Kylo kind of becoming, like, more of a thing. And I, I, I said something like, that's, I said, that's really weird, because Zal was kind of saw it as an abusive relationship from The the Force Awakens. Oh, and you just stepped on the landmine, you just I, Yeah, I was, I, I, I literally, I was in the middle, <laughs> middle of the field, I, yeah, I, I stepped into, I just, again, no, <laughs> I'm not passing any judgment on this but yeah my my tumblr asks and mentions were a bit of a bin fire for like a a, a hot minute as some people would say yeah. um again ship what you're gonna ship i don't care i've got ships that i'm sure some people would think were horrendous but like it's it's all down to taste. It's all people like what they like for a reason. Sometimes they like it because it's bad. They like because it's like a tox. It's like me and Astari and in Baldur's Gate. I know he's bad for me. I know he's an asshole. I'm still doing it anyway. Like, <laughs> like time to be anemic as fuck because you know, you keep like Astari biting you. <laughs> every time we play, I we wake up the next day and I am anemic. I am bloodless. I <laughs> it's my choice. Like I'm not gonna lecture anyone about problematic ships and bad choices okay but like the fandom itself is a little bit scary um and as again people are pointing out in the chat they've been known for some race drama as well which oh. kind of makes it unsurprising that kate has done this um it almost feels like a power play out of god you know what this reminds me of it reminds me of fandom wars it reminds me of ship wars and you're mad that the 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 ship that you don't like is getting more kudos than your fandom like it i it i'm so angry that i've just made this connection but it is very much like flame wars it's very much oh i can't believe you like that toxic person why aren't you giving me credit why aren't you being you know, nicer to me? Why are you giving, like, attention to this other thing that I deem as not worthwhile? That is exactly what this is. It's a very toxic fandom mindset of, I yeah. deserve all the attention and you don't. And this is, it, and it's like almost trying to game, it's almost like Kate tried to game the algorithm to ensure that that happened. And that's exactly what it is, because so when you're messing around with reviews, you are gaming the algorithm for Amazon. Right, so back in that case, back to what she would gain from this, she would basically like make sure that she was top by just knocking each of these authors yeah. down a little bit more, and they, that should be what the top of Goodreads for that. 
She'd be the top of Goodreads, maybe. She'd be she'd probably sell more than them just because she had better ratings. Because people do look at the ratings before they buy stuff. Yeah. Um, but, the mean, thing is, her, her reviews weren't actually giving any criticism. It was just catty. Like, there was yeah. nothing of substance to say, well, this is why I didn't like it. It was just, I can't believe they spent money making this when they could have given the money on anything else. And that was basically, mm. oh, you should have given that half a million to me. That's what that was. It was, why aren't you leaving me more kudos? Why aren't you... You had your deal, though! You had the deal! <laughs> what the had fuck? everything. Like, I, like... Ah, oh, good lord. I can't believe the deal that she had, and she just set it on fire because her ego was bruised, because people that she viewed as lesser than her were also getting offered a good deal. Yeah, so it's worth saying that when this... when the cat came out the bag for this one she actually claimed it to be a friend of hers first she claimed it was lily her friend called lily and i when i saw that i immediately thought harry potter they're pulling on the strings of oh this person's in Raylo and the harry potter it was just such a weird i had the sudden again as in lily like lily harry potter's mall lily yeah. Yeah, because a lot of girls, a lot of women use the name Lily as their handle in fandom. For when I was when, when Harry Potter was still a thing, it's obviously still a thing, but when fan when it was taking up when, when it was making the fan fandom spaces into what it is today, a lot of people use names like Lily because it was, Oh, you're the mother of Harry Potter. And I've just now realized that basically was just telling on herself that it's it, it was fandom driven. Um so yeah, I, it's too toxic. <laughs> I was like, like white girl fandom interactions. She was trying to frame it as, "Oh, my friend Lily," and I'm I'm sorry, I'm processing this in real time that I've just realised that she was probably making a Harry Potter reference. So, basically, telling on yourself as being racist <laughs> from multiple standpoints. But she framed it as a conversation of, "Oh, this was my I didn't do it. It was my friend Lily." And she had a fake conversation with, um, so I'm sorry, chat's also realising what it is. It's the Miss Scribe drama. She was creating her own Miss Scribe drama, which I, we are going to have to do a Miss Scribe deep dive next year for you to fully understand this. I but... don't think I'll ever fully understand this, because like, <laughs> pa, pa, like, honestly, hearing some of this and seeing the kind of the jumps and the, it's like, why don't some of these people fucking go outside? I'm no joke. Like, yeah. it's, that is so like that's so criminally online that yeah. it's like what what the fuck like oh Jesus my my goal for twenty twenty four is to now introduce you to the misscribe drama so that you will have a deeper understanding of what Kate was doing because it's basically misscribe two point oh every every single Every single thing I've learned about book drama has been against my fucking will, honestly. It's just, <laughs> like, there, there's just never-ending strands that you have to untangle. This is okay, what give I, me, you chose to be like, my friend, you okay. knew this was going <laughs> to Okay, in, in 30 seconds, for anyone who doesn't know what the fucking misscribed drama is, me, tell me, 30 seconds, what the fuck's that? Miss Scribe created a bunch of sock puppet accounts to basically create drama to harass other people to make it look like she was harassing herself as well, I believe. And it was basically to be the big name fandom. They wanted to be the top 
of the Harry Potter fandom. And it was basically just bullying and harassment and like fake death threat. It was it was a whole thing. There's like hour long documentaries on YouTube about it. Um, but also, yes, it's Emily. Emily, you're you're like my my wingman at this point. You're just dropping facts in the chat right now. They wanted to be Cassandra Clare, who I I'm gonna get sued. <laughs> Cassandra Clare is a known plagiarist who used to bully people from the Harry Potter fandom. I watched that happen in real time. I will stand by my guns. I fucking hate Cassandra Clare. If I ever meet her in person, it's on site. I'm so sorry if we get sued. <laughs> um, <laughs> notoriously litigious. Like there, there was just so much drama from that. I'm going to have to... Um, yeah, it was... But there was other... you know, <laughs> Other than the fandom, there was other plagiarist issues where her, her books are very, very similar to other books that came out even before Harry Potter. And it's basically, she thought she was better than everyone else and that she could fool everyone. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm watching the chat going, please don't explode. Um, but it's... So I've, <laughs> what Waffle oh has very kindly sent me on Discord, a one and a half hour <laughs> video on Miss Scribe. So I, I can't wait to watch another video essay about a subject that I know nothing about. I will be so invested. Um, oh, good lord. But I this think is, that's the origins of this type of behaviour. And that, I'm again just processing this live on stream. That is the origins of this behaviour. It is old fandom wars being repurposed in traditional publishing spheres which is so embarrassing it's one thing to do it in fandom where people are younger i mean the people involved aren't children but like people are younger emotions run high it's a hobby it's a thing people are passionate about and you take that into your professional career and you continue to act the same way that it is if it's okay to flame more other authors because you are jealous of them. Uh, now that uh, I understand that in this context, I'm even more angry because how could you how could you have everything handed to you? How could you write a book, get your book deal, probably end up on multiple bestseller lists, and then destroy it because of your own ego? I just, yeah. I can't imagine the level of privilege it takes to think that you are worth so much more than other people, that you are willing to risk, just that you don't think for one second you're going to get caught doing that, and that you think that it's okay for you to do what you're doing because you're better than everyone else. I can't begin to fathom that level of cruelty. To be honest, I can't, the, and also the bigotry and the racism and everything else that happened with it. I just, I'm very angry. I'm like, I'm going to level with you. If if Del Rey offered me the deal that they had, I'd take it in a heartbeat. Like, it would solve so much of that. <laughs> well, they've got, they've got a free fucking spot now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's like... It would solve so much of my financial issues to get a deal like that. And then you piss it away because your ego got a little bit bruised because the authors yeah. of colour are also getting served at the same table as you. That's what it is. They don't like the fact that marginalised people are being served from the same plate as them. I do think, and, like, I feel like I'll, I'll have to, like, probably go away and, like, 
research this to like it's it's probably been discussed before, but I do think that there's yeah. because because a lot of people are now growing up extremely online, as in a lot of their online communities, like that's their kind of home and that's where they learn socialization and things like that. And I'm again I'm not applying this to any and all kind of fandoms or fan fiction or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that like there just seems to be this overwhelming um lack of like any sort of social maturity in these spaces. Because like what what looking at what Kate Corrin's done there, that's like I, I'd say that, that that's like a that's like almost high school behaviour. In, in like a, you know, adults don't do that, and obviously they do because people are bastards, and we we've talked about many a bastard on this podcast over this year, but mm-hmm. it is like it speaks like it's almost like lack of social development leads to stuff like that, because that that does, none of that makes sense to me, Not, like it. That just general behaviour, thinking that you can get away with it, the entitlement that comes with that. Obviously, folk do anything for, you know, um, money and power and all this kind of shit. Like, the stuff that we're going to go on to in, uh, obviously, like, James Somerton. Um, but I I do think there is a sizable amount of people online that are not socially developing almost properly on account of being in these very high school focused kind of communities it's 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 a strange one and it's bizarre to watch as someone who did grow up in similar fandom circles like i grew up in the harry potter fandoms i grew up in those environments where the flame wars happened but for whatever reason i understood that that level of drama should not be continued into real life um i would not have the small success i do if i acted the way these people um i'm not interested in with my with my work and my publishing and my books i have always been very interested in not viewing other authors as competition because they're not. They are my peers. They are my friends. They are, you know, and I will always be more interested in pulling people up behind me. It's one of the reasons why I, you know, when people ask me questions about how to self-publish, I will give them a step-by-step guide on how to do it without getting scammed and how to do it yourself efficiently. And like, and people get mad at that because they're like, oh, you're giving away trade secrets. And I'm like, it's not a trade secret though. It's only secret. You're only like, why would I gatekeep someone else's success? I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in doing what I want to do. I frankly don't have the energy (laughs) to do the kind of things that, you know, this level of hatred that Kate Corn obviously has for other people who are succeeding. I don't have the energy for that. I barely have the energy to do my own stuff. And I th- that could just be because of my disabilities and everything else, but I am more interested in being part of a community than being at the top of a pile. I don't view other yeah. authors and other writers as someone to step over. I view them as people that I can turn to and go, oh my God, I loved your work. Or, oh, you must be so proud. You know, like, 
I like there's a book that you know my friend published a book and it's not my cup of tea and I was very honest I was like it's not my cup of tea but I'm so proud of you for doing this difficult thing because it is difficult it's really hard to write books it's really hard to be creative for a living and other people's success doesn't diminish mine no matter how small my success is to to the Kate Corrins of the world I'm still rooting for them to succeed because why wouldn't you want people to succeed? I just, yeah. I fundamentally cannot understand it. Um, I mean, it's, it's that kind of attitude and yeah. this is maybe a, a, a jump to um, the the next kind of topic where we're going to look at plagiarism, but obviously it's the same kind of attitude that um, Illuminati did. So for anyone who hasn't watched each Bomber Guys, but like outstanding four hour, four hour <laughs> fucking movie uh, that four you can go uh, about about plagiarism like yeah like go and watch that we're not going to recount that entire video beat for beat but we wanted to kind of look at various aspects of it from uh um the kind of after like ripple effects to it so yeah waffle frauds very kindly put the the um the youtube uh, link in chat if anyone has four hours after this that you can go and do a deep dive. If you've not watched it, it's it's really good. Um, and there's also as, as always. By... Oh um, my god, what's his name? Shadow. Yes. Um, <laughs> Waffle, you're, you're, you're our only hope. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, Todd in the Shadows. Todd in the Shadows. That's yeah, um, Todd in the Shadows. Thank you. So, I, again, apologies. Yeah. I am tired today. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it's it's very and also like Kate issued an apology on Monday, <clears throat> and I take issue with it because I don't actually think it was an apology. And they 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 claimed like she claimed. Um, first of all, it takes a lot of courage to come out and say that you struggle with mental health issues and that you struggle with substance misuse. It is a very hard thing to admit to having alcoholism, drug, you know, drug problems. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to belittle that. I don't want to say if it's true because I don't know what's happening in her life. Yeah. But I will say mental illness and switching pills does not make you racist. To be honest, I, I do take issue with all that kind of stuff because I think we've seen enough of these now that it becomes the um it becomes like the standard apology format. Um now some people choose to do this with ukulele in hand. Um oh. other <laughs> others others don't, but like it seems to be the standard apology like I, I I they always go, I accept full responsibility for what happened, I'm ashamed of myself, yada yada yada. Here are a couple of here are a couple of points that maybe explain away the like my my behavior my actions right and I think it would just be more sincere if they were like yeah I did a really fucking shitty thing I I'm sorry for it I don't expect your forgiveness for it um but. Like you know, I, like she's she's been caught out. So why would you, why would you try and explain it away with things like, you know, substance abuse or or anything like that? I just 
it seems too structured to and like again i'm not belittling any of that i'm just saying that it's we've seen so much of it that you end up broadly weaponizing a whole bunch of like social issues to explain your own shitty behavior and i just yeah yeah as, as tundra pointed out in the chat it feels like weaponization of a legitimate issue to excuse your behavior yeah and it's and also the apology the timelines don't add up so it's oh i started taking this new medication in november okay well you started doing this in april yeah like what's your excuse for april then if the new medication was november and you know they put it on oh i was i had a psychotic break with the medication in november cool what was happening in april and also as someone who's had a complete mental break i've never had the mental energy to go and create numerous goodreads accounts and to <laughs> yeah. review bomb other people to big up my own work like when i had my mental like i've very openly after you know hunger pangs came out i was in a very dark place in my in my head i still am a little bit but it was due to untreated mental health issues and other stuff like i won't get into it but when that happened i didn't have the energy to feed myself mm. i was relying on other people to support me and to keep me going because I was so far down into the depression hole that I couldn't even market my book that just came out. I was fully like my eternal gratitude to Tumblr. I posted one link and Tumblr went wild with it because I didn't have the energy to promote my own work because my mental health was so bad that I couldn't even promote my debut. I would never have had the energy or the mental capacity to do what was done obviously everyone is different but speaking as someone who has severe mental health issues the apology doesn't make sense to me if you yeah. were saying oh this is the reason i did this that doesn't seem in line with what other people report those episodes being like um and it's it just feels malicious it feels as though oh i was caught doing a malicious thing I'm going to hide behind the shield of, uh, you know. You're, you're always and, you're always going to get people who experience, you know, similar issues as to what she recounted that get caught in the crossfire and feel cheated yeah. because of it. Because it's like they're I, what they're the collateral damage for someone's apology because they were shitty and fucked up. Which it's 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 victimhood. It's hiding behind yeah. making yourself into a victim. Um, and that's something I routinely worry about with me. I worry that I'm hiding behind my disabilities to justify not doing as much work. I yeah. worry, like, that, that is a thing I genuinely worry about. I worry that I'm using it to hide behind. As <laughs> chat is now telling me, like, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's a genuine it... concern that I have. And then I can't imagine turning around and doing something this horrendous. Like you could have potentially ended someone's writing career because of jealousy and insecurity. And I can't ever imagine going, oh yeah, it's because I was struggling with mental health issues. That is a explanation 
for your mental turbulence. Yeah, it's an ex it's an explanation for how you feel. Like it, it, it maybe explains how she felt, but it doesn't explain what she chose to do to remedy it. Um, and yeah, you can like if there's you you your imposter syndrome's a bastard, Joy. <laughs> Nobody. Oh, I'm, I'm reading the chat and I'm trying not to cry. Yeah, uh, fucking hell. <laughs> my, my, yeah, my, I'm, as the girlies say, I'm not mentally well, but I, I, do, <laughs> I try not to let it make me into a bitch. You know what I mean? Like, I try, I, I do the work. I, I do this, and, but I'm also self aware enough to know that I'm not always in a good place to be online. And I will take a step. Like, if I have an instinct to be nasty to someone, I purposely go, okay, I'm on hiatus. I'm not going to be here. And yeah. usually when I have an instinct to be nasty to someone, it's because they've been nasty to me. But if I hit back, because I'm a bigger creator, inverted commas for those listening, um, I don't want to be the bully. I have no desire to bully anyone or to pull them down. Sometimes I clap back without thinking and I have immediate remorse because I realise that that person's now going to get bullied because of that. And I always am quick to say, hey, don't go bother this person. Um, Live by the sword, die by the sword, <laughs> I say. <laughs> Fuck them. Um, Mess well, with the bull, you get the horns. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's, I can't imagine the level of contempt you must have for other people to be so threatened by their success that you would risk ruining your own career and the thing like i actually pulled this up a minute ago and um, it was a news article that was found about kate corden um and it's a tweet that she did in january of this year 2020 january 16 2023 the tweet reads extremely worried about being cancelled for something stupid when my book comes out so can we just go ahead and cancel me now for something stupid and get it out of the way she knew she was going yeah. to do something stupid she was plotting <laughs> she was <laughs> intending that's that is so fucking funny actually it's like that's that's like that's her guilt manifesting itself in a tweet yeah. <laughs> like that, she's, she's, she's got she to. Like, all, she needs yeah. that release. Fucking hell! But she was also trying to play it down as I'm going to get cancelled for something stupid. This was not something stupid. I mean, it is stupid. It's stupid in terms that she's completely nuked her own career. But it wasn't something like, oh, you're being cancelled because you said you like waffles instead of pancakes. You know. Wow, that it, would make them a waffle fraud. No, sorry. Um. <laughs> uh, for those unaware, waffle fraud is one of our members in chat. Um, it, <laughs> yeah, it's that very <laughs> the it was it was that I know I'm doing something that's bad. I know I'm doing something that's racist, and also she knew that when the the screenshots of the fake conversation between her and Lily came out, because again the screenshots that have been going around and the screenshots that um, uh, Sierra and Zhejiao got are different because the screenshots that they have from Lily at the end says, uh, yeah, I did it. It's basically, I did it because of racism and they're going to call you racist too. 
<laughs> it's like proper like pinky in the brain evil plotting right yeah. there. Kate knew what she was doing was rooted in racism. Yeah, she so, admitted to that. Yeah, and then that screenshot's been altered to to take that away so that it's not an admission of guilt. Kate was actively going after people of color, authors of color, and trying to game the algorithm in her favor so that they wouldn't get the success that she felt they didn't deserve yeah and that's despicable that is genuinely it's just racist and the fact that it's being played off as a mental health issue fuck you mental health does not make you racist i mean i think like the at the core of it was insecurity and i think moving into our kind of next topic um, and the, the H Bomber guy plagiarism video. It was really obvious from a lot of the people who play, like plagiarized there. I think the first guy in that video that um, he talks about is the game reviewer who comes out with the excuse, oh, I was feeling really insecure about my work um, and that's why I ended up copying and, and plagiarizing. And then... Um, Illuminati, the you know the excuse oh, I was under a lot of stress. I had to produce this like these amount of videos. I think Illuminati had already had a big issue earlier this year. Um, so like I think that was that was brief. Um, and then of course we've not actually had any sort of apology or anything from James Summerton, which I he find really nuked, interesting. He just, just nuked himself off the internet. He just noped out. Yeah, it's, um, it is quite well, funny that- though, and I I do think. From a, I suppose this is also where the, there's a kind of interesting crossover between like left kind of politics, more progressive people, because progressive people do rally around figures, right? And it's only yeah. natural, like people rally around certain groups. And James Summerton had kind of installed himself as the 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 gay YouTuber uh, who was doing all the video essays, deep dives on things like Disney and you know, queerness in Disney and, like, lots of queer topics throughout history. And the what I find there is, like, in a way, that plagiarism video the H-Bomber guy did, has, well, now there's <laughs> there's there's pre-that plagiarism video and there's post-that plagiarism video, because now I feel, at least I would like to think, people are going to be a little bit more guarded about the people that they thrust into the limelight. Um, because I think James Summerlin obviously able to rip off a bunch of uh, people and pass it off as his own work. Um, he installed himself as this kind of figurehead, and then as the Todd in the Shadows video goes into, he was just fucking flat out lying half the time, and his he was just making shit up. Um, the only content that James Summerton actually created was lies, and it was used to shoehorn in his own misogyny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. But I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take a minute here to just say something. I've always hated the expression "people who can do, people who can't teach." No, they don't. That's I, I've always hated that saying mm. because a it undermines teachers, but also people who can do, and they teach. People who can't plagiarize. Yeah. <laughs> and the truth is, a lot of these people that've been exposed they can't do the things that they want to be famous for. And it 
fucks me up on such a level because like we were talking about my imposter syndrome being a bastard. I genuinely feel like I don't deserve to be where I belong. And these fucking assholes who are just stealing the hard work of others, they do think they deserve to be there. Yeah. What and... level of audacity do they have <laughs> that they think they deserve to profit off the work of others and pass it off as their own? And it, it was the, yeah. like, one one thing that didn't come out in either the Each Bomber Guy video or the Todd in the Shadows video was the, um, it was actually the an argument on Twitter between James Summerton and uh, Folding Ideas, Dan Olson. And, like, he did a, a, oh, like, YouTube funds were the lowest they've ever been uh, this month. And he, 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 he lied about his like Patreon money and stuff like that, um, and then like obviously was trying like a rallying cry. He was like saying, "Oh, this will be the end of the channel," and tons of people went and became. Yeah, I think he was getting, he was getting a shitload per month from Patreon on top of the whole um, fake film shit that came out in that video. The fake film studio. Um, honestly, Earning just through his Patreon, I think roughly triple what my, my partner and I were earning in a year at one point. Is it a hundred? Yeah, yeah, one hundred seventy k per year. That's I from stealing <laughs> from other people. Like, it's fraud. Yeah, like how? Like it's one thing to get cancelled in the the sea of internet but like it's this a fucking crime <laughs> like it's a crime it is a crime and the thing is a lot of the authors that he stole from some of them were only getting paid 700 like well there was one i forget their name they mentioned that for the article that he stole wholesale from them he just like the yeah. whole thing was stolen they got paid 700 dollars for that article some of them didn't get paid at all. Some of them <laughs> like, doing it for free because they yeah. enjoy doing it and they think it's important to have that information out there. But James yeah. Somerton took it and he bastardized it for his own narratives, which unfortunately now dominate a lot of online, young online queer spaces. And it's been baffling to me as some, I'm like, I'm not an elder queer. I'm, you know, I didn't grow up during the AIDS crisis, but I grew up in the aftermath of it. And mm. it's been so baffling for me to see young Gen Zers coming out with, you know, takes like, I mean, the first time I saw it, I had to sit and stare for a long time. The Is, take that gay marriage was a similist. And and the, the ones that survived were boring. The I, only ones that survived AIDS were the boring assimilists. Oh, I, I had to sit, I was sitting at this very desk. Holy fuck. <laughs> and... I, I was watching them say it. Yeah, gay marriage is a similist. Only the boring queer survive because they didn't fuck. And I remember sitting here and I remember going, where did that come from? What level of brain rot did that come from? Was... And then I, I tracked it to a James Somerton thing. And I was like, who the fuck are you? And yeah. less than a week later, he was cancelled. I was like, <laughs> what was... is this? What, you know, but I'm recognising a lot of the queer discourse at the minute has come from his videos where he has bastardized legitimate queer history and theory to yeah. fit his view of what queerness should be. Like, honestly, um, I, I, again, I'd really recommend that Todd in the Shadows video because it's, like, it starts off, I mean, I'm, like, I'm not obviously 
um, like deep in the trenches of like you know queer onlineness. Um, but you know, I've I've seen I've seen people say that you know a Skype and you know like the whole live streaming on Skype was from gay from gay porn and like sharing gay porn. And it's like, I've seen people parrot that effortlessly. And it's fucking James Summer and it's just invented it. Um, and also, it, it was a lot like trigger warning for anyone that does watch the, the, the Todd in the Shadows. It does get into Nazism and idealism. And it's fairly obvious to me that James Summerton had a Nazi kink. Oh, yeah. It's like, he's, he's he completely, like, he, he, his video tries to go in on a bit of a deep dive on where male body standards came from, right? All of it's horseshit, but James Summerton's video on it is absolute dog shit, but basically says that the reason why um, male body image is the way that it is is because the Nazis produced a very specific... Um, type of propaganda when it came to how the German, the the German, the Aryan German soldier looked, and apparently that was one of the reasons why a lot of Americans signed up to go and fight the Germans was to be as manly as how the Germans looked in propaganda. Again, oh, this is horseshit. Yeah. By the way, this is all oh, of it is dog shit. This is his reasoning. Also, it's like he also claimed that the Nazis were secretly gay. Yeah, and the, the majority of the SS were gay, and it's like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> it was like, what the fuck? It, it, and it's such a these these uh, it's it's bullshit that's been debunked time and time again by actual queer historians because yeah. it's the the Nazis targeted gay people, yeah, and to say oh the ones that survived were secretly gay. Why are you feeding into that idea that gay people are actually villains? It's funny because, like, I I wondered where he got that idea from that the SS were were gay, and I think it comes from a specific type of war film where SS officers were portrayed in quite a a camp English accent, mm-hmm. and. It, and I think I think it stems from that in a way to like ridicule them, um, like again off off its time how SS officers were portrayed in film. I I absolutely yeah. like I, there's there's no historical background. That, I mean, he's saying he says that lots of people were able to like get away with the SS like from SS officers from like you know, basically offering services to them to escape. And it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Sorry, I just saw Emily whole <laughs> proposal. Is James Summerton actually gay or is this a performance? I'm not going is... to debate whether someone no. is gay or not. We're not um, getting into that. I can say it is perfectly possible to be gay and also to have fucked up beliefs. Like that, I, I genuinely would rather believe that he is the call is coming from inside the house with this one. We have to take accountability from inside the queer community that there is a lot of white fascism that happens within modern day queer spaces. Um, and we are quite happy to cite, like I, we were talking about how people tend to rally around people that we want to be figureheads. I think yeah. James Summerton is a very good example of this. He was a palatable gay cis man who was spouting facts 
and people thought, well, this is a really great example. We should rally around this person and give them all of our support. And it turns out they were actually betraying all of us because they were stealing from, you know, other LGBT creators for yeah, their I own. And if you, like honestly, for anyone listening who was a massive fan of James Summerton before all of this came out, like you are a victim of his lies. So it's not like you're not to blame or anything. Um, yeah, like, and the thing is that the takes you enjoyed were made by actual queer and yeah. LGBT authors and historians whose put you 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 resonated with the truth that was being stolen. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> it, the content. And uh, like one of the points that each uh, bomber guy made in the video was that he he used, in fact, Todd in the Shadows mentioned it as well, but he used the credibility that other authors and writers who he stole from kind of gave him. He took credibility from their words and then slipped in all of his lies and other fucking dog shit. The like the entire the entire time it's, it's and all, all the misogyny is <laughs> all the misogyny because <laughs> um, again he was perfectly happy to misgender people when it suited him yeah. as if someone's pronouns are something to be earned whether you respect the person or not which is not the case yeah. um, the was, biphobia was fairly obvious as well yeah. um, and then of course so, there was uh, his attack on the Love Simon author who yeah uh, again, biphobia on that side, but it like again, and this is uh, this is always the kind of problem. It's like for a on 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 the left side of politics, we do have this habit of policing like ourselves quite a lot. We um, police ourselves more than the right will ever police themselves. Like we, oh, yeah, we will destroy like, each other trying to be perfect meanwhile the right doesn't give a shit we're all just nasty to them like it's it's very um yeah it's the infighting of leftism is what is destroying the movement yeah but it's it's like it's sometimes that policing is so strict that it doesn't let other people kind of bloom and of course for all the policing that apparently we do we allowed fucking James Summerton to just waltz in and steal a bunch of shit. Um, because he was very... It, I So the thing with... Uh, we're going back to the Love, Simon author, Becky Albertalli. Yeah. I was furious on her behalf when she had to out herself. Because it happened to me. And it, it, it was the whole, like... Because James Summerton capitalises on the idea that people are wanting to exploit gay media for profit, which is really hilarious when you consider it in hindsight. He was very quick to point the finger and say, these people are exploiting you. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's behind the scenes doing the exact same thing. But, Be you know, Becky had to out herself as bi to justify writing her work. And I had to do the same thing when Hunger Pines came out because I got messages like, oh, it's another straight woman writing about gay men. And I was like, first of all, it's a bisexual story. Second of all, I'm bi. Third of all, I'm, you know, I'm ambiamorous. I am a non-monogamous leaning person. I just happen to be in a currently monogamous relationship with a person of the opposite gender from me. None of that erases my queerness. But according to people like James Summerton, I am straight. Yeah. You know, and it's the, it's, 
assign straight until otherwise that I really hate within queer circles because you shouldn't have to out yourself to be considered valid. People who aren't queer can have valid takes on what is happening in queer spaces. You know, it, you know, obviously experience helps. Obviously, if it's coming from a place of understanding, it helps. Like I'm, I get very, when it comes to disability stuff, I get very annoyed when able people talk over me because yeah. they are not reflecting my life experiences and they're often doing it to my detriment. However, there does have to be room for people to say, actually, you know, I, I resonate with this. I understand this. And you don't get to say, well, actually, I think this person is straight because they don't meet my quota for queerness. And that's what he did to um, Becky Albert, Albertalli. He was like, he, and he never once apologized for calling her straight. He never once apologized for, and he made himself to be the victim. He said that he bullied her and sent her fans after him. She didn't. She yeah. wanted a correction that her work was not fetishistic and she wasn't a straight woman fetishizing queer love. Um, so it's very, it's but the kind of the gold like, star. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, isn't, isn't that kind of the, the, the ridiculous level of policing? Now, like, don't get me wrong, lived experience is definitely important. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare to, like jump in on like matters of race and speak over people who have uh, have actually got a chance of experiencing racism, um, but you know like there there is that there is that kind of fine line where it's like you've got to allow other people to have input and I'd say you know oh you're uh I suppose it all kind of comes down to money where he where he took issue with Love Simon was he assumed that it was a straight person cashing in on the the queer community and writing a a queer love story, um, and that that was that was his issue with it. When in reality, there really shouldn't be that much of an issue. Like in in general with it, like, and as in a non queer person writing a queer love story shouldn't be a peril clutching. It depends if it's overly like fetishistic or whatever. Yeah. There's obviously like takes and approaches to this, but. Like, it would be a bit ridiculous if we just went around banning people from writing about things that they don't have lived experience of. Because then how are you going to get any fucking story ever? Um, like, from a fiction perspective. It's good to have straight allies who want to normalise queerness. Like, that yeah. is a fundamental truth. We need straight people to be on our side. We need them to want to, to say, oh, yeah, I can tell a story about this because it's ultimately just a story about love. It's one thing if it, you know, it's one thing for them to be writing about persecution because they don't have that understanding. Yeah. But it's not exploitation for straight creators to include queer content in their work. They're not exploiting people. They're not doing it for woke points. They're doing it because it's the, it's normal. It's life. Like, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's... Sorry, Blue or Lights just said it in chat, and I have a fucking bugbear about this because I've been seeing it on Twitter like all fucking week, and it has been that a straight people can't call their partner partner because that's a that's an LGBT thing, right? And it's like it's it's almost back to a wee bit of what you were saying when it's like maybe younger queer people not understanding the kind of origins of this because 
I was always of the understanding that it was straight allies started to refer to their, their girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever it was as partner so that queer people weren't outing themselves whenever like exactly they, they said it. It. It, was, it was to, it to normalise it. Plus, can I just say, I've been with Jessica for fucking six years. I am not calling her my girlfriend, right? Actually, I know she's my fiance <laughs> now, but like you know, you've you've got people who've lived with each other for like twelve years. It's not it's not it's not your boyfriend or girlfriend anymore. You've got like a, a strong commitment to them. It's a partner. partner. <laughs> I so I, I don't I don't I don't like significant other either. I I, I find that's it's, it's it's too long. <laughs> Our partner started as a way for queer people to not have to out themselves when talking about their significant others. That's what that was for. Yeah. And then it was normalized by saying, oh, straight people should do this too, because then it's just normal. It's a gender neutral way of referring to the person that you share your life with, or persons, depending on your romantic situation. But it's not a bad thing. And for people to say, oh, that's, that's a queer thing, oh, straight shouldn't be doing it. No, they should, because, you know, why are we putting up barriers? Why are we trying to separate ourselves again when what the fight for a lot of these things were was to be perceived as normal and included and to be part of the wider society. Yeah. It's not I mean, assimilation to include other people. We're not assimilating into straight culture in that instance. It's us, it's them adopting what we were trying to do to protect people. Yeah, I mean, like, I... Yeah, from, from what I could see from the debate, it's, it's, it's weird, it's not something that I would wade into and, and take, like, serious issue with, because I know that I'm not, like, in the community. Um, but I did, like, you know, seeing, seeing some folk going, oh, but, part like, partner's a, a, like, a gay thing, and, like, we, we have ownership over that. It, it's honestly, like, fucking go outside, honestly, just go outside and speak to anyone. Uh, like, you don't you don't need to have that specific word to feel like unique and like i i it's, i don't know i just i saw i saw quite a lot of people taking issue with it and it was very frustrating just reading it being like it feels weird to go you don't know your own history because it's yeah. a bit it, it, it's, it's it's a bit fucking rude for a start but it's it's yeah. it's one of those things that it's, it's hard to to sometimes. Wait, who the fuck get are you that? to decide what I call my partner? Who the fuck yeah. are you to tell me what I call my 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 significant other? I mean, that's like the people that say to me, "I'm actually straight because I'm married to a man." Fuck you! You don't know my gender. Yeah. I, I you know I I'm outwardly this female presenting, but you don't know me. You don't get to tell me how I how I engage with my queerness or how I engage with how I present my relationships to the world, um, and it's I don't like how gatekeeper it is, and it's it's the same you know it goes back again back to the James Summerton the divide between us cool queers and the ones that didn't fuck so they survived AIDS. I am still so angry about that like, the idea that yeah, gay marriage was... is a smallest. I hope I don't believe in hell, but I hope there's a hell so he can go there. <laughs> like, I genuinely like queer marriage, gay marriage happened because we 
part, you know, that you weren't allowed to be with your partner in the hospital while they were dying of AIDS. That's why this the, the fight for equality happened. Because your family were taking your your dead body and they were burying you under your dead name. Yeah, and there That's was speci- there was bought. specific rights that came with it. And I, I don't know, I just like Again, I, I, I never want to come at it from a you don't know your own history thing, but seeing stuff like that angered me, him saying that in a way that I've like I was angry on so many people's behalfs because I'll fucking say it. They don't know their history and they're willing to take the word of anyone who is palatable. They want yeah. to they want the word of someone who is the right type of gay because they want to be seen as morally upright and not cringy and honestly fuck you learn your history i'm so angry i'm i've been sitting <laughs> with this for weeks i am so angry by the idea that the fight for gay rights is a similist yeah I, it's, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I've, honestly it's just is like astonishing to see that parody because he had an impressionable young audience that have fucking internalized all like if he, he drip fed enough, well, I say he drip fed enough. He copied enough quality sources and quality thoughts from other people that when he said something like that, it you know it it made maybe young queer people feel quite good. About, oh, I'm I'm one of the the cool ones, yeah. It, it just the whole that whole thing about the boring people survived just. I, honestly, you should be fucking in the hold over the combs for that. Um, I'm glad he's deleted his YouTube. I hope, honestly, I hope he gets bankrupted, and I hope he has to fucking live in a desert somewhere. Like, <laughs> I, honestly, yeah, I, it's just I, the I, scummiest fucking guy going. I remember reading that. I remember reading the take on Tumblr with no context of where it came from, and I have a a a a, a tom- I have a, an issue. I have a nervous system problem that causes my blood pressure to fluctuate wildly. I had to lie down to regulate my heartbeat because I was, like, it's happening now. Like, I'm yeah. slightly, my heart rate's elevated, but the the rage I felt that you could turn around and say something so heinous and evil yeah, and profit from it. Because let's be clear, he profited from saying that. He profited from saying that only the boring gays survived AIDS. And he had the audacity to accuse straight people, who people who he perceived as not being queer enough, as exploiting and profiting from LGBT spaces. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's just stealing content from everyone. He's he's exploit. He is actively doing what he was accusing other people of doing. And I think that's really telling on yourself. It's the same with you know Kate Crane. She was telling on herself by saying, "I'm going to get cancelled for something dumb." He was yeah. telling on himself by saying, I'm exploiting all of you because you're too stupid to understand what I'm doing. He thought he was better than everyone else. He thought he'd never get found out. He thought it was enough that when he did get found out to just edit things out of his videos. He was never apologetic. He was only ever sorry he got caught. And, and his response to being irrefutably caught was to delete everything because he rightfully knew he was going to get destroyed. I was going to say, like, it is... I, I, I don't think I've seen... Uh... In in my time online, I don't think I've seen a complete like character assassination as that H Bomber guy video. Like, so, uh, like 
Like he, he's 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 wiped out. He's he's absolutely gone. There's no way that he's coming back in anything other yeah. than you know. People are saying he might be a right wing talk person. I don't think they'll even fucking touch him. I don't like they won't they won't like him. He'll maybe tr- he'll maybe try. I don't know. Maybe he's preparing a fucking apology video. But like, if you think about after the Kate Curran thing, after all the other like big kind of cancellations and the apology videos, they've always come within like a week after it. Like, is 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 James Summerton gonna try and reinvent himself in the new year? Nah, he's he's purged his accounts, he deleted his Discord, he's is is over, he's gone. He, he fucking he went better be gone. Earth. He went scorched earth because he knew it was unsurvivable. He, yeah, knew, he knew the extent of what he'd done. My favourite tweet was, um, it's a reference to 9-11, which I always feel slightly bad about 9-11 jokes, but it's a reference to 9-11. It was after H. Bomber dropped his video and then Todd in the Shadows released his video, the tweet was, another video has hit James Summerton. I repeat, another video has hit... You, he could not come back from that. He could have possibly wrote out H. Bomber's video. He could not write out the stuff that Todd in the Shadows uncovered because Todd in the Shadows actually went for the I'll ta- stuff. Sorry, he I'll I'll for, take <laughs> I'll take that bet, blue or lights. <laughs> what are we betting? All oh, the bet that he's not coming back, right? Twi- so I'll bet you twenty pounds <laughs> that he's he'll be back by twenty twenty six. I'll I'll take that bet, and I. I, I just I I don't know how he I, I don't know how he appears I don't I don't know how he reappears in a way and when when we say reappear I'm not saying like make another video I'm saying like he's in any sort of like he he will not return to form like it's it's over it's it's, it's gone there's no he's not gonna pull a Matt Rife and show up on the Joe Rogan show because that's not no. his that's not gonna happen. But I genuinely don't... If you're intending to come back, you don't nuke your accounts where you still have thousands of followers. Like, he dropped something like 30,000 followers in a couple of hours. But the audience that he had left would have still generated him a significant amount of income. He I mean, was trying to delete evidence. He was trying to delete things that he knew he could not come back from. I don't think he'll be coming back. Do, do you, like, the the only thing... This is maybe my my inner cynic going he could drop an apology video and monetize it and that but that would be watched by so many people it would be a last hurrah to try and get as much ad revenue as possible actually do you know what my favorite tweet was about all this it was or it was a was it a satire place that did it it was um James Summerton releases four-hour apology video and it was just a, it was just a link to age bomber <laughs> yeah <laughs> the plagiarism is so absolute. He would absolutely, co- absolutely copy somebody else's apology. <laughs> it was his. Um, oh, but I man. just, I don't think he can come back from the level of scorched earth that happened. Like H. I mean, Bomber guy scorched earth. Todd salted it. There's no coming back from the level of yeah expose that's happened to him. I love that Todd in the show shadows is Ali Brenner scene in chat. He was just a music reviewer before. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, like, a music reviewer who never shows his face who hates tea drama and everything else but you fuck up so badly yeah. that Todd in the shadows goes I'm going to make a two hour video on this <laughs> that's amazing it's just like 
Good God. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know what else there is to say on it. Obviously, um, I, I, I like to think that that's going to be like a wake-up call for a lot of people uh, who, you know, watch stuff online. Even my stuff. Don't trust me. Um, but the... Stuff. I, like, absolutely fact check what we're saying yeah like don't take what we're saying for truth just because we're funny like it, it's you know i always tell like i admittedly telling people to google stuff isn't as reliable as it used to be but you yeah. do need to actually check things for yourself like in preparation for the, the the kate crane stuff i went and read every receipt that was posted yeah. i went through 31 pages of google documents to learn everything i and it, it, mostly because I was nosy, but also because I wanted to get the facts straight. Like I, somebody said the other day in a post that Kate wasn't white. And I was like, where did that come from? Because I can't find that anywhere else. And it turned out to be a misunderstanding about it was based on another author that was involved in different drama. And it was, you know, but I, I actually went and researched it because I didn't want to just parrot something blindly because it's an on-topic thing. Um, yeah. And it, it, you do have to research what people are saying. Like, don't just trust us when we say that Todd in the Shadows exposed John Somerton's Nazi king. Go watch Todd in the Shadows video. <laughs> he, deserve, he deserves the views, and also you deserve to see the citations and to figure yeah. out the depth of this. Because, honestly, that's a huge problem with online spaces. People are just trusting things at face well, value. We'll do, we'll do fully researched video essays in 2027, Joy. That's when the Ice Fair will move <laughs> over to video essays. Um, until that time, we're going to be uh, just rambling on a, on a podcast. Yeah. Um, but we're also not presenting ourselves as experts. This is basically a weekly, you're having a gossip fest with your besties in the chat. Like yeah. We're bringing the topics and we're engaging with people. We're not presenting ourselves as experts, which is what a lot of these video essays do. Like Illuminati was presenting herself as this wonderful creator and writer. And then you find out it's, you know, just plagiarizing BBC documents, <laughs> Netflix documents. Like, just it's just, it's just like taking chunks and then like muting the video and paraphrasing it <laughs> with no source. I was like, I yeah. I mean, if I if I could get paid to read documentaries at people, <laughs> that would be that'd be easy. Uh, but my ethics so that's, that's, that's wouldn't. That's being me to a do voice that. actor. That's being a voice actor for Netflix and for BBC. Yeah. And yeah. that these people are presenting themselves as creators when really they're just reiterating everything to you in a slightly but, less good fashion. Yeah, it's it's also just completely intellectually dishonest as well. Like you are thinking of these people as like intelligent and you know, oh, they've done all this deep research. They have copy and pasted someone else's work. Sometimes <laughs> word for word. Sometimes they haven't even gone through the effort of writing it in a worse way. <laughs> um Yeah, yeah. It's very in the level of I'm trying to think. I'm I'm struggling. I'm I'm struggling to get a word out just, just now. The the lack of genuine creation that these big creators have yeah. made, like you don't get to call yourself a content creator if you don't actually create anything. And you can argue, oh yeah, they make the videos and they use their voice and everything else. 
that doesn't make you the creator of the stuff you're talking about. If you are profiting from the work of other people, you're not a creator, you're a plagiarist. That's it. These people aren't content creators, they're plagiarists. And they unfortunately, because they're able to do it with shiny graphics and look hyper competent, people think, oh yeah, like they're trusting that there's some sort of regulation with this information and there's not. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's also something that I'm quite aware of because I, I think there can also be quite a fine line between being like a kind of internet middleman and being like a full-on plagiarist. And I, I do think you could see that there's, there is some form of space for people to have, like, you know, take, take, for example, a long research paper, right? And someone takes that and turns it into a video, right? With all of the findings about this one paper and just turns it into a different format that it can be digested right? I can kind of understand the argument that there's maybe a, a, a space for that somewhere, um, but pretending to, to not is, like, pretending it's your own work for a start is, like, an absolute fucking no-no. But I also think that, like, you know, the reason why people like James Somerton and that are able to rise to a certain point is because they were able to present it in a way that was appealing to a lot of people. It, you know, and it was just that it wasn't James Somerton's intelligence or his creativity or anything like that. Any any of his signature snark, like, I mean, I see the clips in the H-Bomber Guy video when he speaks, I, found, I find them insufferable to listen to because you can tell he doesn't know what he's talking about and the inflection at the end of every sentence is so snarky. It's like that kind of classic snark that's just like, oh, I hate it. Um, he was relying on being bitchy for entertainment to carry him. Mm. And when I went back and watched a bunch of the videos that other people had archived, you're right, he doesn't understand what he's talking about because he's only re he's reading the work of others and then figuring out how to fit his agenda into it. He was taking yeah. legitimate queer research and history and twisting it to get a stab in at women a lot of the time, or to be racist, or to perpetuate his ideal of what he thinks queer and LGBT history should be and what the discourse should be. It was very much a... I'm the authority and I'm trusting because I'm presenting myself in an authoritative and snarky way that you're not going to look into this and realize I don't actually know sh shit what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, and it's, as, yeah, as they're saying in chat, it's smug. He was smug when he was talking and it was the kind of smugness you get when you have stolen the work of others and you're getting paid 170k a year for it. Yeah. Absolute bastard. Just absolutely. <laughs> fucking bastard, honestly. <laughs> what like, a I can't... fucking joke, man. Again, imposter syndrome. I don't deserve to feel the way that I feel for the thing, like the amount of time and effort I put into creating things. Like, I'm not as entertaining as someone like James Somerton. I'm not as, you know, funny or I don't have the resources or the energy to do any of these things. I mean, to be fair, I... neither's he. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But he had the audacity to think that he could get away with stealing other people's work. 
because he was more in his head he was more important than them yeah fuck them you're either with the community or i mean you like the idea that he was representing community he was not representing community he was standing on top of community and proclaiming himself as an authority on things that he had no idea like it's so galling like it makes me so angry that you would take something as hard one as modern lgbt community things that people died to create and you're gonna stand there and make shit up that becomes parroted by the next generation because your content is easily digestible in video format fuck you fuck him the damage honestly it's like i sweated my cunt off at uni writing paper and making sure that fucking plagiarism checker was down to nothing (laughs) and he gets to walk in on youtube and make 170k you bastard uh right (laughs) if he put the work in if he if if this work was all his own fair props to him he would deserve every bit of that it's not the the plain simple truth is he stole from people and he damaged he did irrevocable damage to a lot of young queer spaces who took his word as law because he was popular online and it's heartbreaking it's genuinely heartbreaking and raging you know just absolutely just fuck him that's that's the final (laughs) word in the podcast fuck him fuck james Right, I think in that case we will uh, we will wrap up. So just for anyone who is in chat just now, just don't go anywhere. We do a bit after uh, for anyone who's listening on the podcast, however. Uh, thanks so much for being with us all year. Uh, 2023's been a wild. We know that we haven't done as many podcast episodes uh, as last time. Um, and part of that was just because we started to look after each other a little bit more um you notice that we've uh, there wasn't as many podcast episodes but me and joy have been having a great time playing games and thanks to anyone who's joined us obviously on the, the ice fear plays i know that we didn't upload them because a lot of the time we were just wanting to chill uh, but we had a great time playing the forest and then we played stardew valley and we did raft raft was fucking excellent um, and we're now we've started Baldur's Gate, which is being uploaded onto YouTube as well. Um, but yeah, I think you know we started off this year really strongly on the podcast front, and we know that we probably took on quite a bit, way, <laughs> quite a bit more than uh, than what we were expecting. And of course, life got in the way neither, as well. Neither of us predicted this year to turn out the way it did for for both of us. Like it's yeah. been one of those things behind the scenes it's like checking in with each other weekly on discord going how are you it's like still on fire great thanks yeah. for asking <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it, we we had to practice what we preach because we we're always yeah. telling all of you to take care of yourselves and to take care of each other and we were sitting there going i don't think i can do this and yeah. it was okay well and let's just be friends just enjoy each other's company That's- to, 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 and you know the, the the really interesting thing about this was it was two workaholics telling yeah. each other not to do more work <laughs> i think that's the only reason that was like the hack that we were doing because we're like we're both workaholics so we both don't want to create more work okay that makes a nice change we've got other stuff I to do 
I couldn't tell myself not to work more, but I could tell you not to work more. And it it, it did. It worked out. It was a kind of like, okay, I'll self-care if you self-care. Yeah. And that's that's how we got that's how we survived 2023. <laughs> <laughs> so looking forward to the uh the book talk drama that kicks off 2024. That'll be a good laugh. Um <laughs> star star is we mean to go on like we're gonna open the podcast it'll just be this is all you see <laughs> um but no seriously uh thanks everyone who has joined us throughout the uh, podcast this year hope you enjoyed them um obviously we love hearing all your feedback uh, but if you just want to continue hearing us ramble next year then don't worry we'll be back um, but we are going to be having uh, a wee break, I think, over the festive period. Although I think, Joy, me and you have got some Medieval Dynasty to play next week we on do. Friday before we, before are, we truly are we finish still, up. Are we, are we still watching the, the Scottish films? Are we still inviting people to come? We'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll do that in, uh, in Discord, I think. We'll have a, yeah. we'll have a, a movie night. Um, but yeah, we'll be doing co-op Medieval Dynasty uh, next week. We will. So, We'll be uh, deforest another forest. <laughs> yeah, we just destroy nature in pretty much all the games we play. Uh, but anyway, for now, folks, we will uh, see you in 2024. Hope you have a good new year when it comes. Uh, see you later. Bye-bye. Stay safe.